Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for what is one of the most exciting stages of the year. Giro d'Italia, eat your heart out. Stage five from Pote to Laurent. We saw this stage in 2020 where it was... Pretty exciting then with Hirschi in the break uh, ahead of Roglic and, and Pogaccio, where Pogaccio took his first Tour de France stage. 162 Ks, not that long. Quite a long 70 K valley before. He's up and down rolling. They're harder than they look. He's Pyrenean Valley, speaking from personal experience. Before the Col du Sud day, the first all-category climb of this, the, the race, 15.2 Ks, 7% irregular too. Also a feature of these climbs, both in this stage and this region. Another descent, valley. Col de Cher, a little 4.2k, 6% warm-up descent. And then the Col de Marie Blanc, fake news. 7.8k's, 8.4%. 4.8k's, 10.5%, the last 5k's. And then a descent, and then about 8k's uphill, a false slide uphill to the finish in Lorraine. What did you think would be the goals of each less of the teams for this stage, Benji? Like, what would, would a goal for Ineos and a lot of the teams, like a Bora, like a Groupama, Try and your GC guys try and stay with the best guys possible on Marie Blanc, and then put a fringe guy in the break to try and win the stage. That's combination here eh? because we know the the starting phase, the breakaway formation phase in this stage is seemingly pretty explosive. We saw it three years ago. We saw it in stages like that. People want to be in this bloody breakaway. So if you're a UAE, you want a breakaway that is. Not that dangerous, but maybe a rider on four minutes there. That's how I would have seen it. If I was UAE personally, I would have been like, I want like a group of 12, 13 riders, maybe a rider in there on four minutes that we can give the yellow jersey to so we don't have the weight on our shoulders. That's what I would have liked if I was UAE starting this stage. But there's so many different teams willing to go in the breakaway, like Jumbo Visma. They want to go in the breakaway because Wout van desperately wants to win a bloody stage. And their team perhaps wants to set satellite riders up the road because the stage just have that terrain type. Call the Marie Blanc, you want a rider on top to try and help you, that kind of scenario. But the other teams you mentioned, Bora, Ineos, and so forth, they've got other scenarios they can play with. Now, I will say that I wasn't expecting the strategy that Bora applied on the stage at all before the stage started, even no. though I love it. But when it comes to teams like Ineos and so forth, put riders in the breakaway, hope that they could either go for the stage or that if they're not good enough for the stage, I can help your GC rider get away from other top three, top five candidates. But outside of that, breakaway riders galore throughout. It was just so so much jumping out of neutral. And the problem is there's no like 7%, 7% climb, 7K, 7% climb for them to just, you know, the best climbers to get, a, get away. And yeah. so you see Paulus wasting a lot of energy. Out of neutral, he's jumping with like Campanats on the flat. And the first move is not going to just go. Too many teams, it's not like the other sprint stages, too many teams want to be in the breakaway. That, you know, there's, it's just not, that's just not how it works. That the first move beautifully splits and everyone's happy, everyone's represented that wants to be in there. And so he, he missed out. Uran, I think, eventually did get in the breakaway later, but 
Yumbo were buying. I initially saw Van Hoydonk and and Dylan Van Bala trying to get in, mm-hmm. and then later we saw Ineos wanted to be in. Quiato was the first moving yeah. with Turner, uh, so it was very clear. Yumbo wanted to be in the break with Van Bala, Benoit, or Van uh, Van Art, uh, or even Laporte. They wanted to get Rulers ahead like they did last year. UAE. If Yumbo were in the break, they needed numbers in the break. That yep. seemed to be their mo too, because wherever Yumbo went, UAE went. Um, and who else? Well, and then how did the break eventually form, Benji? Because like we can't run through every single attack, but I swear there were initial groups off the front with like a Betiol and Van Aert. Yeah, there's just numerous splits. One, for example, is a group that was created with Betiol ahead, and then a second group joined them with Uran, and there was a group with two EF riders. But who closes that? Paulus EF teammate because. He's got the KOM jersey and he wants that breakaway to have himself in it so we can fight for that. So he basically self-neutralized a breakaway with two teammates in there. And this happened a few times where Paulus was basically going for his polka dot jersey and therefore hinders some other EF riders going into breakaways. And also other breakaways that he missed out on because I swear he was always late at jumping. But in doing so, he brought other riders with him. And usually that was a UAE rider that jumped on his wheel and then closed with the entire peloton in his wheel, the actual breakaway moves. But eventually a large group started to form. Got to mention, Pogacar tried to jump into a, a breakaway early as well, which I found pretty funny. I like that stuff. It's, it's a sign that he's trying to work out strategies at every point of the race. No, to, or, me, I, to me, I saw it as massive weakness. Massive weakness? Yeah. As in desperately trying to control the breakaway? It makes no sense. It's, it's, he's, not trying, he's trying to jump in and make Jonas know. It's like, it's pointless. To me, unless you, you make Jonas panic because you're not going anywhere with it. Like, you're not, you're not going to get in the breakaway and Yumbo have the rulers there. It's like 60Ks of flat. So I saw it as, yeah, kind of kind of stupid stuff he was doing. Last year was different because it was like rollier terrain, mm-hmm. but yeah. I saw it today as I was like, that's surpri- I thought it was surprising. I, I wouldn't have yeah. personally been wasting energy there. Um, we saw, though... Hinley got on the breakaway. That's the big news of the day, basically, initially. Hinley gets in the break. He was kind of hiding. Like he, I think, and this makes a difference, Hinley wasn't shown by the TV cameras for a long time when this break had formed. We saw Conrad at the front a lot. We saw Buchmann in there. Like, there can't be a third boy in there. He was like, he was hiding at the back. And at this time, Laporte's pulling the break. And the break's gone now. UAE have had Björk had a flat at an inopportune time. They've got Lang and, and Trenton trying to some, restore some modicum of control. Yeah. The gap goes to 90 seconds before a lot of the team, well, Yumbo in particular, were like, we can't just pull Jai Hindley yeah. all day. And then they tried to create splits. And that's where we saw some more interesting stuff from UAE. I do have to say when it comes to this breakaway, is the reason that they don't spot Hindley being in a breakaway so quickly potentially that Yumbo and UAE are so focused on each other that UAE is saying, okay, you need to make sure you're in a breakaway with every Yumbo rider. We need to have a UAE rider in there. But next to that, there's also other riders in this race, like Hindley, like Landa and so forth. All those like top three to top five to top seven favorites that could also have been in this group in the same way Hindley has done. Is it because the focus is so hard on Yumbo from UAE side that they didn't spot that? But also, why is UAE the one that needs to control this because they're in the lead with Adam Yates? Because well, I would say Vingegaard was on paper the better climber on longer climbs. Wouldn't you argue that Pogacar is then the, the one fighting 
demand to beat Vingegaard in this tour. I mean, that's how we see it, but Benji, they don't see the race. They don't see it the way we do. And, you know, a lot of pundits, you know, not just in across the world, they, they see Pogaccia really strong on Cote de Pique. They see yeah. Pogaccia winning the sprint on High Iscabel. And, and, th and they think Pogaccia, he's... A lot of people think Grenon was um, team tactics. And the team tactics, don't get me wrong, they did make a difference. Mm -hmm. But how Altercam gets very, very quickly forgotten yeah. that Jonas also just straight up smoked Poggy on Housing. He's but, just a better climber on longer climbs. Yes. Facts. But today's not a longer climb. Agreed. Today is a, a climb where Pogacar attacked from the base of steep section in 2020. He won the stage and, and he, you know, he was attacking Jonas in the Basque Country climbs. Now, this is also not the Basque Country climbs. Yeah. This is not a seven-minute, five-minute VO2 max power test. This is actually much, much longer uh, Marie Blanc, especially the steeper section, and it's consistently steep. So I think they also probably... There is an underappreciation for Vingegaard's Basque Country for performances. Yep. Uh, I mean, the tour of the Basque Country. Yeah, yeah. I think people don't. Because who did he beat, Benji? Who did he beat? But where the watts on those shorter climbs were like, were big. Yeah, in the same way that, for example, Bogatra in Andalusia was also impressive. Obviously, his accident happened afterwards yeah. in LBL. What if Bogachar was here without that accident? Would he be in a better form than he currently is? Who knows? But we're currently at the start of the of the race. Say eh? we see that breakaway. But but you think you think UAE should have let called Yumbo's bluff? It depends, eh? Because Yumbo's bluff. Let's talk about it. So Hilly's in the breakaway. A group of thirty six riders with Huge. so many teams involved. Quick step with three riders: Cavania, Asgreen, Alaphilippe, Tag buddies galore. Exactly. Yeah, for Chavez, Ron, Ineos with two riders: Fraile Martinez. Then we've got Soler and Grosjean for UAE. Three riders from Jumbo, but no Laporte van Aert. And then we continue. Three riders from Trek. Chicone, Lopez, Peterson. Three riders from Ajuzer. So there's teammates everywhere. Goals in there with Berthe, with the likes of Parepantre. And when you see a breakaway that large, it is very difficult to control that breakaway. But you have riders in that breakaway. So they're kind of like hedging their bets on both controlling and being in the breakaway to neutralize it from the inside it is, what, no sense. is what you would see from that scenario. But what is the bluff you're talking about? What happens now, directly after this breakaway forms, UAE keeps pacing in the peloton with Lengen. So cool. they're in the breakaway with two riders, they keep pacing behind, and Yumbo's in the breakaway and doesn't pace behind. So the bluff is, Yumbo's not pacing behind and is putting all the pressure on UAE right now. And I think that is the right thing to do by Yumbo at that point, because I was thinking, okay, if you're Yumbo, yes, Hindley is dangerous, but the imminent danger is UAE at the moment. Yeah. So you'd be like, let's try and burn UAE. And if it does get out of control, then you can still adapt to the situation. You want to try and burn UAE and then find a counter towards UAE and try and do something like that. Because if they spend all their riders spacing all day, then you might be able to benefit towards the end. And also, you know, looking at this stage beforehand, not knowing what eventually happens, you, you know, you would say, do, do Yumbo really want to pace all day for Pogaccio to maybe take bonus seconds again? Yeah. You know, so with the break going up the road, not ideal with Hindley. I did think maybe later they could have put a ride at a pace. But anyway, um, the flies are back irritating me. That's why I'm kind of distracted. Yeah, but yeah, it's Felix Goll is in there. I'm not sure we've mentioned him with two tug buddies, Aurelian Peripantra and Berte. They were outstanding, those two. AG2 are very, very impressive. Uh, and yeah, Benoit Laporte, Van Aert, Gro you mentioned Gros, Schatten and Soler. They, that, they were both in the break, not trying to split it up. Because yeah. 
before Sudai, we get to we get the breaks formed. People don't want like ideally you don't want Hinley in there because yeah. I Hinley is a serious GC guy. He won the Giro. You know his form in the Dauphiné where he came fourth, but that was just because of the TT. He dropped he dropped O'Connor on the on the he came third on the Queen stage of the Dauphiné. We both believed he could podium the Tour de France beforehand. Yeah, and he was I think third or fourth favorite for the Tour. He's a serious guy. You can't just let him you know take ten minutes. Yeah. Van Hills is in there with Kamenas and Co. So Yumbo eventually tried to start splitting this break up yeah. because they want riders in the break, but they want to reform the break. The problem for them was before Sudet, Van Aert goes ahead with Campanarts, Pedersen, and uh, Cockard, but they don't bring Alaphilippe with them. Yeah. And so without Alaphilippe, without AG2R, all of a sudden Patrick Conrad has two teammates, yeah. Remy Cavagnar. <laughs> and 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 Casper Asgren pull the Hinley group full. Yeah. And so you now have the break maybe going quicker than it would have gone before. You've got Van Aert dangling burning energy 20 seconds ahead before Sudet. And you've got UAE chasing full and Hinley's getting a free ride. Yeah. And, and Bookman's not having to do anything before Sudet. And it's actually the, exactly the opposite of what you wanted to achieve in the first yeah. place because what I would see Wout's plan to be was, like you say, split up the group and hope that Hindley's called behind in that split. And therefore, the second group has some kind of group two syndrome occurring where they don't really cooperate too well. You've got a group of rulers that is ahead. We see this quite a few times in races. I think on the stage where Matthews won on Monde, he actually got away, got a bit yeah. of a gap on the peloton because the group two didn't really work together that well. And that's the kind of scenario you want to achieve if you're Yambo, because on one end, you don't want to pace behind because otherwise you're blinking Yeah, and you're basically saying to UAE, are we going to pace with you because we're also scared of Hindley? So you want to force the full pressure on UAE. But on the other end, you're also scared of Hindley a tiny bit and you're like, let's try and not make it easy for this guy. So let's try and hinder him by making split ups in the group and make sure that both Hindley's suffering and that both UAE is suffering behind. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, and, and you just got to bring you got to bring Martinez or Freyler with you. You have to bring Gold with yeah. you. You have to bring Alphalet with you. And you have, difficult, eh? You can't no, predict they, that, eh? No, no you stop. But there's a long you you stop with Wow, and then you re, you try resplit again. Yeah. Um, and you try go, but also it is very very difficult to get the right composition. Yeah. You know, every time. So. Anyway, Trek were also all in for Chicone's stage win. Pedersen yeah. went for the intermediate sprint points. I thought Pedersen... So we have another situation. Van Aert, Cockard, Pedersen, Campanards. Pedersen and Cockard do the intermediate sprint. Cockard drops back, predictably. Pedersen keeps going. Yeah. And I thought, why is he doing this? Why is he helping Van Aert? Sude, he's got Chicone behind. I realized they were hoping Pedersen could get over Sude, so Chicone would have a tug buddy in the valley afterwards it didn't work out that way but that is why that was happening and the same reason it didn't work out was the same reason that Wout van Aert wasn't able to get that goal he wanted either because while Wout van Aert was also probably trying to gain a gap so that he can actually fight for the stage win he was trying to split out the group and have Hindley behind and have the Hindley group go slower Peterson same scenario because they don't have quick step and there he's also fucked because the gap is not big enough so he's not far ahead enough on Sude and we get to Sude when it when it comes to this breakaway I'd say the gap to the peloton was at this point leaning towards the three minutes, 34 minutes roughly, because we've had moments before where it went up and down a tiny bit, but it's been gradually growing over time towards the likes of Sude. So and UAE that's a panicking. Gap. UAE were chilling, right? Only Langen and Bjerg were yeah. pacing at that point, which at that point I'm thinking, 
Langen and Berg are in the peloton. They're pacing. UAE is not panicking at all. If you look at the breakaway and the scenario that's unfolding on today, because then you see that teams are starting to pace. Cavanias pacing behind the group of Outfanad because Alaphilippe wants to get something out of the stage and Outfanad being ahead is not on his, on his book of nice things in this stage. And when Cavanias is done, Alaphilippe does a bit of a move, but then just keeps on pacing a tiny bit until we get Trexi Gafredo. No, Little Trek, my bad boys. Little Trek. Go to the front, and Kwampe is the man that is pacing there. Because Peterson is also dropping ahead. So that reduces the gap to the front from Chicone's group to Wout But it also creates a situation where behind, we also... Langen's losing more time on the climb itself. Yeah, yeah. Because they want to... UAE want to bring Langen and Björg over the top of Sudai. Yeah. They need those two rulers. Uh, I think Trenton might have dropped... They need those two rollers for the valley. They, if they can't be having Solaire pacing, and this is what was curious, Solaire drops out of the break. Yeah. So Solaire had spent all that energy, all that stress, to be in the break to be quote-unquote represented. Yeah. He even, him and Groshart, in the chased splits that didn't have Hinley in it and brought Hinley back. And then they just drop out of the break anyway to pace. It made no, it made no sense to me because Groshart is... It's not like you need, well, you, you do not need Groshart and Solaire to gain, to get over the top of Sudet. Okay, with Christophe yeah. Laporte to, or Pedersen or, or something, you need them ahead because they're not going to make it over the top of Col du Sudet because it's too hard. These guys are good climbers. They're going to make a group of 2025. So to me, I don't think, I think they were like, we want to be represented with Yumbo because we want to. And then they realized, fuck, we actually need to chase behind. That's the point you looked at afterwards, eh? That, that, you, booked, uh, that you looked at earlier. Yeah. The fact that they were closing splits that were trying to be occurring before Sudet. Groscharner chasing down a four-man group that's trying to get away and so forth. It's good for you that those splits happen. But when it comes to Solera and Groscharner eventually going back to the peloton, I do think that that was a good move. As in, the adaption to actually pull them back was the right move. I do feel like Solaire was the one that was waiting. Groschartner felt more like yeah. he was dropping and looking at the work he did afterwards. Seemingly, he spent quite a bit of energy throughout the stage. So I think it's the right decision to pull them back regardless of the mistakes you make beforehand. Yeah. And we're basically towards the top of Sudan now. Vultures. We just see there were some Griffin vultures <laughs> on a ledge. That was pretty cool from Heli Shot. That was in the notes. I made Benji put it in the notes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we had some vultures. I think that was before Sudan, by the way. But on Sudan, we go towards the top and... Wampe had that work. Chicone launches from his wheel towards Wout Fanad and Campanats. Those were the remaining two men ahead. Campanats strong climbing there, to be fair. But obviously after that, Campanats is gone. Wout Fanad holds on for, for a bit because that group is now the likes of Chicone with Hindley, with Gull, with two or three other riders roughly. And Wout Fanad started having trouble from that point onwards in that group. And Benoit was already a bit dropped, bit behind at that point in the race. And we get towards the top and... Uh, who's going to fight for KOM, because Col de Sudé has more KOM points than all the KOM points we had before. This is the thing with Paulus. Like, I don't know if Paulus was... Is Paulus the man you do you choose to do the exposure KOM? Like, like Court did last Not year? Not the right person He's for kind it. of too good, right? Yeah. Like, if he really wanted to go for KOM, first of all, he needs to not jump right at the start of the stage. He needs yeah. to be patient, but, you know, was he tired from before? I, I also think he would have struggled, like... Felix Gala rode away from the GC group in Tour de Suisse and won the stage. Like, we now have very serious climbers yep. going clear. You know, Gull, Ciccone, Hindley, Bookman's pulling that group as well. So now Jumbo Visma, they're in. And, and UAE, 
they're kind of in trouble. It looks like they're in trouble because the gap is like three and a half minutes. Hinley's bringing a teammate with him over the top of Sude. Yep. He's got two guys in goal and uh, Chikone who will just go for the stage and, yep. may, and they will pull with him and they back themselves against him at his level. And now it's like, fuck, like, Hinley's could take a lot of time here. It's a combination here because as the breakaway is reducing, you're also thinking, okay, if the breakaway actually becomes a four-man group after this, after this climb, then they're weaker in the breakaway. But the other riders are not far behind. Buchmann's not far behind. Hasn't worked so much on this climb. He's done a bit of work on today, but other teams have done it for them, so he didn't really need it to work so far. But because those riders are so close, we saw that those riders start going back. Those riders start coming back one by one, one by one. Gull, who end up the front at the top, he's getting caught back again in the descent because, well... He's bad on the descent. He's not a great descender, unfortunately. And we get this larger group forming, and then it's a battle between that and the peloton. And the curious case at this point is, what will Yambo do? Because we've got a breakaway up front, roughly eight riders, with Wout van and Minot slightly off the back of that group after they dropped on the climb itself. In the peloton, we've got UAE pacing, Still with Lehen and still with Bjerg. Bjerg over the top of today, I'm pretty sure. But we've seen in previous stages, I think we mentioned it in stage two, Yaiskebel, that UAE was pretty meh when it comes to descending with their team and losing gaps in between riders in the, in the corners and every descent and so forth. So I expected them to lose more time in the descent. I feel like it was relatively okay the time they actually lost in the descent, but that group ahead... What did you think at that point Yumbo should do? Because one, they're behind the front group. They're not in the front group. They are coming back to the front group in the descent. What can they still mean in the stage? Because Wout van Aert and Benoit have shown that they're not good enough to win this stage. Yeah, so Yumbo was now in a difficult situation where they clearly want one of Van Aert or Benoit to be a satellite rider. Yeah. Because realistically then, well, both of them can't win the stage. I don't think that's possible. Yeah. Um, and even though hashtag Simon Winnen, uh, so one of them wants to be a satellite rider. But if you don't chase this break in UAE, are fucked. Do yeah. you want to give Hinley more time than he needs? But you also, we're also living in the pre Marie Blanc world, Benji, yeah. where we don't necessarily believe, you know, do you want to give Pagacha eight bonus seconds? And so yeah. on balance, I, I do believe they should have put Van Baal on the front. Yeah. Uh, to to just because what happens was did, we, did you mention that Van Aert resplit it? Oh, not yet. So so what they chose to do was try and do what they did before Sude. Van Aert tries to resplit, goes across to Nalens. Alaphilippe goes with him. The problem again is no Felix goal with him. Yeah. And he has two teammates, Berthe and Aurelien Paripancha. No Danny Martinez with him. Trailer pulls full. So we have exactly the same situation where teams who want to go for the stage have missed out on this counter move yeah. and Hinley gets to come through and Bookman doesn't have to pull. So Bora, it was perfect for Bora and, and UAE weren't really, UAE, they did close it. I think mm -hmm. it, where did it go? 330 to maybe 240 at the base of Marie Blanc? Yeah, the gap was indeed uh, lowering, but also you spoke about Bookman for a second there. He didn't need to face it all on today because other teams did it for him. Yeah. In the valley, there were moments where he was working. There were moments where he wasn't working. And I was like, this is a moment where you should be at the front to at least set some tempo because you want the group to keep cooperating I think, never, I think they gambled. I think he tried once. Yeah. And then everyone just kept attacking them. 
And he's like, if me and Jai keep trying to close moves for 30Ks to Marie Blanc, we're fucked. And so I think they gambled. Maybe they didn't have a choice. And they're like, if, if a counter move goes, we can get AG Tuata pool. Yeah, but there are also moments like there was a split that happened before Wout Fanat attacked. Yeah, that was where, wrong. <laughs> where Bookman was in group one and Hindley was in group two and Hindley closed group one without the help of Bookman because Bookman was staying in group one. That made no sense. Bookman should drop back, base back that group so Hindley doesn't have to do it himself. Now, maybe they just don't trust Bookman on the flat. That's also a possibility. They wanted to save Bookman to do the lead out or to pace on, on Marie Blanc and that's what he's... You know, Bookman is like Coos. Like, there is really... And he's better on the flat than Seb, probably, but there is only so much he can do against a Madawaz, uh, even a Jorgensen or Haig on the flat. You know, he's a, he's a pure climber. So I think he's needed the wrong rider to be in this breakaway yeah, with but Hindley. That but also, but also, not, you don't have that choice too much, yeah. eh? You know, they, of course, yeah, Jungles for the Valley is brilliant, yeah. but I, I think, you, you know, you, you got to take what you can get, yeah. I, I think. Agreed. Anyway, I, I, so I do think maybe Yumbo could have, but then. You put Van Baal on the front, you chew into this gap, you yeah. now don't have a satellite rider yeah. after Marie Blanc. So I think that's the, the line they're kind of trying to dance under. Why are UAE still pacing now Benji full into the base of Marie Blanc? Is it Hindley? Of course. I you think don't think they're still going for a stage? No, I think it's full on to, to try and keep Hindley within reach because we're talking about a gap that is still relatively dangerous for Hindley. Hindley won a Grand Tour. He's like, he's not a shit climber. He was a third favorite for us towards this Tour de France, except for Adam Yates. But when it comes to UAE pacing, it started to become more than Langen and Björk though, right? Because we saw Soler moving up on one of those hills before we got to Marie Blanc to already do some work. We saw quite a bit of other riders doing work, but we didn't have Rochartner yet working at that point. Micah was still there. Adam Yates was still there. Pogacar was still there. So those are the riders that are still left for Marie Blanc. But I feel like when they were pulling towards Marie Blanc, I thought, okay, they've got four riders, Groschartner, Yates, Micah, and so forth. This seems like something they can still control for now. But then you look at the breakaway, and that's where everything started exploding, right? Because mm. Hindley was good, but it was a different team that exploded it. In the breakaway, Berthe, man, the mountain bike rider. This guy, I think he's still under contract, which is kind of irritating to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because this is a perfect, oh, until 2025. He, I think they've extended him already. They gave him a little extension. So he is, this guy is an up-and-coming pure climber that you need to watch out for and, and really take note down in your little black book. This guy will be winning a, a big Grand Tour breakaway mountain stage soon. I uh, hope maybe even does uh, does the well to probably too many race days. Berté shreds this breakaway. Yeah, and and these are not these are not bad riders in this breakaway. Yeah. Like he's shredding it. I don't know who he who he dropped off the wheel, but basically he's taken it from twenty after Frailsman pulling. He drops Van Aert. Oh, sorry, they catch Van Aert. He's gone, mate. Benoit gone. He was making Buchmann suffer ahead of Hindley. Yeah, Buchmann lost the wheel. Yeah, he loses the wheel, and Hindley has to close it. Yeah towards uh, Gull, and then we see that Buchmann takes a position be behind Hindley because he still wants to try and mean be somewhat meaningful on the climb itself. Ciccone was not in the perfect position there. I think he was on sixth wheel and so forth. Would he be able to follow what happened afterwards? I'm not so sure. But when Berthe is off the front, Gull just absolutely smashes it. And who's still in the wheel? Hindley, and then the gap is the gap is solid to the next chaser. It's Ciccone and Buchmann. Those are the next two. Then we've got Martinez, who 
Can we talk about Martinez sprinting for a KOM there for a second? Oh, yeah. What? So, yeah, this is over the little Cat 3 Col de Cher, which is the little warm-up before Marie Blanc that, that breaks up the valley. And it's a Cat 3, as Benji said, two points, one point for, for first and second. And Van Aert, Nalens, and Alaphilippe ahead. Raelis and Ajitoua have been riding full as tug buddies, trying to get him to catch Van Aert and Nalens. And he attacks at the top to try and get a KOM point that doesn't exist. Yeah. Also, he where did he come? He came second on the um, Suday sprint? Or maybe even not even second? Like, it seemed... I really don't... I, I think sometimes, if you want to win a stage yeah. and, and you're not, you know, clearly the best, you should really just focus on winning the stage, particularly when your teammate is pulling for you to win the stage. Like, even if, even if there was one KOM point there, like, really? I agree. I think they should focus on the likes of Sude and not on the smart. But this is also a blatant mistake by the Ineos car. That's just, that's just bad research. If you have your rider in the breakaway sprinting for zero points because there are riders on the road, you didn't do your job in researching that specific KOM point. Let's be honest about that. Uh, I mean, I think you just... I don't know what they were doing. It can't be his own decision to be like, oh, I'm going to sprint for it. You're, the team should have notified him that there's no points left and he shouldn't sprint for it. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway... Hinley, goes, Hinley basically now has 2.30. 2.30 on Marie Blanc. And now it's like the peloton advantage doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Because you needed to close Hinley down before Marie Blanc. Yeah. Because Hinley's going full beans as they get to the steep section over the top of Felix Gull. And he's pacing against Rafael Micah and the draft is not as much anymore. So he's going to, UAE can't really close it down. I was waiting, Benji, and maybe this was a tell. I thought UAE, if Poggy felt really good, were going to put Yates on the front like they did the other day on Haiskabel mm -hmm. or like they did on, on Cote de Pique. And I thought they were going to, because Micah wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. He was not closing Henley down. Yeah. And I thought, that, and the pull from Yates never came. Is this a consequence of what happened before in the stage that they are with so limited riders at this point on Marie Blanc? Because yes, Adam Yates is there. Yes, Micah is there, but his pull is actually not as what you'd expect from a Micah. Then we look at Groschardner. Yeah, he came from the breakaway to help there a bit, but it wasn't a long pull in the first place. They spent Soler before, they spent Bjerg before, they spent Langen before, which Langen isn't going to make the difference here. Bjerg could make the difference on the first two grains of this climb, but not on the actual steep section. So... I feel like UAE fucked it at the start of the stage by having a breakaway with Hindley in front in the first place. Yeah, but once it's formed and it has yeah. 90 seconds, you're fucked. What can you do, eh? <laughs> you if know, it has 40 you seconds, know. you can't close down a 30-second-man so, group. But. Like, that's why when in these big valleys, rolling valleys, these big breaks get, get a gap. Yeah. It, it can get out of control and get out of hand quickly. And so the camera changes to Hindley. Hinley's pulling with goal. He drops goal. And this is not a surprise. And this is why Benji, maybe we'll talk about it at the end, but I was surprised mm -hmm. at the willingness of AG2R and Ineos and maybe Trek to work with the guy who came third on the Queen stage of the Dauphiné who won the Giro last year. Like, it depends. I, I feel like they could have, like, did you ever think Martinez was dropping Hinley on Marie Blanc? I agree with you. I think Ineos, completely right. I think Ajazer O'Connor is already in the shadow realm in GC. And Gold so. is fucking flying. Who knows what Gold can do? And Chicane exactly. was good in the Dauphiné. So maybe Ineos is the one where it's like, really? Yeah. Are you gonna? Shouldn't you have been countering? But if you don't make the move with Van Aert, it's too late. I don't know. Because they're pulling these riders away from their potential GC riders. Yeah. Yes, 
when it comes to GC riders, they're not overly impressive except for one man on this climb. We'll get to that in a second because action's going on but, in the peloton. But, but that's what I mean. Madawaz is not counted in that group. He has, yeah. a, he has a GC rider. Yeah. Ineos have a GC rider. Trek have a Skelmoza. Yeah. O'Connor, as you said, O'Connor, it's like, okay, are you really going to make goal not pull yeah. because of O'Connor? But Hindley, he, he full dropped goal, right? It wasn't on the descent. Yeah, he, yeah, he went away with like two Ks to go. Yeah. But it's also expected that Hindley can drop yeah. goal on that climb, to well, be honest. But I was, but I was four K, five Ks, 10%, yep. the higher altitude. This is Hindley is really good at this sort of effort. And he didn't have to do too much in the breakaway. It wasn't like he was, like when the group was together, he was never in the wind. So he, he goes, and then the camera cuts back. We haven't seen, and we knew something might have happened. Keldergoat's gone. So something, yeah. uh, you know, the, the pace must have been pretty high. I think Keldergoat must have been, Kelderman must have been the man to put on the initial pace. Or he had a bad day. We don't know. Not possible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not accepted. <laughs> um, I'm getting back in Luke's good books. Um, he's gone. The group is suddenly six, seven guys. Yeah. We see Rodriguez. Peacock is struggling. We see Pogac is there with Yates. There's no UAE left anymore. Simon Yates is yeah, at but... the back. Who else was there from GC? Gadu is there looking actually pretty good. And then it's Sepp Kuss just driving it for Vingegaard. Absolutely driving it. But the first second we saw that, Pitcock was still at the back of the group. Yeah, yeah. And that was really fucking good, in my opinion. Yes. He's in good shape. We're not far into the climb yet. But so many people that you would expect there. Like, I would expect the land to still, to still build. Yeah, land was gone. He was in the shadow realm. I'm pretty sure gone. there was someone else that was also already dropping at that point that we were shocked by. But you Adam mentioned Yates, Adam Yates was going. Yeah, Adam oh, Yates was having later, trouble yeah. a bit later. Not necessarily at the land that point. But Kuz was moving. Kuz was making moves. And it was not an easy pace. It was Kuz with Jonas in the wheel with Pogacar in that wheel. So it once again confirms that Pogacar is the man for UAE because they put him in the wheel of Jonas. That shows that. But yeah. that was pretty obvious already. Adam Yates in the wheel of Pogacar. Then we've got other riders and... Kuz just keeps on going. And Kuz keeping up going thins out this group one by one by one. And it ends up with a group of, I think it was four riders because Adam Yates, like you said, got in trouble at roughly this point in the race. And who was left? The guys we said with Carlos Rodriguez. I was shocked that he was there, man. I'm well, so hyped about well, it. Well, I am. It's an incredible performance. But when you saw him in the earlier stages, I've never seen him look so skinny. Yep. He looked crazy skinny now maybe it's because he's not in the spanish champs jersey anymore and the, and the white jersey's not as flattering but his his arms looked scary skinny and so yeah he was doing really really well carlos rodriguez he actually rodriguez result here he he deserved better than a top 10 yeah coming 10th rodriguez was actually stronger than that so i'll be interested to see how he goes later on yeah who's ramps up the pace we get to and but we, we're like where is van art where is benoit but no, we're seeing the time gaps start with Coos pacing. The time gap to Hindley melts to two minutes now. Yeah. It goes below two minutes, 150, 140. And then we're like, well, Vanart's not making it over the top. Yeah. So he's waiting somewhere to do a death pool. And Benoit probably also not making it over the top. He was trying to because the plateau is really important to have a satellite rider. And we see Vanart do his pull. We were chopping and changing between Hindley and that. And I can't remember. Had Vanart finished and then Koos went again, Benji? Yeah, Koos went again. And then it, it took still another, at least half a kilometer before we saw a move next to that. Because when Koos had his pull done, we all know what's going to happen. Eh? Jonas Fingergaard attacks, past a car that was standing still on the road towards Benoit that was not ready to do anything at that point. Benoit was done for. 
And what do we see from Pogacar? Absolutely nothing when it comes to the reaction. I don't even think he tried to react to Jonas' attire because he probably realized, okay, I can't, I can't follow this man. I'm, I'm at my limit here. I'm at my threshold. This is where I, this was where I need to ride tempo or I will lose 17 minutes today. And that's what he does. He, he rides tempo and we see the gap from Jonas to Pogacar expand quite a bit very quickly. And did it remain the same for a bit before it expanded? I feel like Poggy did try to hold Vingegaard's pace initially. I think he, okay, he wasn't out of the saddle, but yep. for sure he lifted his watts. Yeah. Um, and there's been at no point ever has Vingegaard got an initial gap on Pagacha, and Pagacha's closed it on the climb. Yeah. Von two, he closed it on the descent. Yeah. But once the gap is there, now we're talking, okay, what will the gap be? Because Correct. 10 seconds isn't enough. 10 seconds with that plateau, if Vingegaard's isolated and, and Pagacha gets some allies, yep. you can close that, no problem. So it's not a guarantee at that point, as you say, if Pagacha's riding conservatively and Vingegaard has to slow down after his attack, but Vingegaard has a few things in his favor. He goes past Benoit, yep. and gives him a thumbs up and says, yeah, good luck, buddy, but... <laughs> um, Vingegaard has a few things in his favor, sort of, initially. The, the breakaway has been dropped by Hindley and they're ahead. And they will make it over the top of the climb. Yeah. Um, and so could he get a couple of pulls from people? Ciccone. Uh, Ciccone and Goal, who they catch up to? Maybe. Uh, Kuz comes back to Pagacha. That was the tell to me that yeah. he did actually slow down a little bit because Kuz has done a death lead out pull. Pagacha's responded and then Kuz has come back to him. That means to me Pagacha slowed down a bit. And so the second heli shot we see, the gap is really big. And it's very difficult for us to know the exact gap because the time gaps were Italian time gaps. Like there were time gaps that went up and down depending on where the motorbike was on the road. And we didn't know how far the gap was between Vlingegaard and Pogacar until we, we, we reached the top of the climb. So the situation at the top is simple. Hindley is ahead. Then we've got roughly a minute 10, roughly like that, a bit less than a minute 10 towards yeah. Jonas Vingegaard, who is trying to catch up with Ciccone and Gull and will do that just after the top. And then there is a gap of 37 seconds from Jonas Vingegaard to Tadej Pogacar. 37 seconds for Pogacar to lose on the Col du Blanc. For me, that's extremely worrying for the rest of the Tour de France. Because this is a, is a climb that, on paper, if Pogacar is at his peak, he can compete with Vingegaard with. No. Poggy went 50 seconds quicker than he did in 2020 on the climb. Yeah, but... These are the climbs where he needs to do it because on the longer climbs, the gap is going to be bigger. Exactly. No, I, I, I agree with your overall point. I agree. If he, if he is to win the tour yeah. and you get dropped on this, now you have big problems because Puita Dome is, is, harder. is harder, longer, and finishes at the top. Yeah. So to your I agree, 100% agree with your point that it's not a good sign for Pogaccia. Um, But yeah, it was, for, for people wanting to know, you know, how does this compare, Pogaccia's level? I think, I think that narrative will start now yeah. that Pogacar's only got dropped because he had a wrist injury, which, listen, he, he actually, he may not be in the best shape possible. I, yeah. I've been saying that for a while that, you know, I think it must have had an effect, but the reality is they went, Jonas went 80, 80 seconds quicker on this climb than they did in 2020 where they had, I think, a tailwind and where they went full beans. Yumbo drove the base yeah, on the shallow did. section. like So it wasn't a slow time and, and Poggy's gone 50, 50, 45 seconds quicker than that. Um, so I, I think the reality is this climb shows that Vingegaard is better than him on yeah, the climbs. Well, we knew that on longer climbs he was better, yeah. but 
Now it's also no clear at the moment yeah. he's better on versatile terrain as well, which that's a terrain where Pogacar had to strike to be able to do something. Yeah. And from this point onwards, the gap keeps increasing between Jonas and Pogacar because at first I thought this is going to stay relatively equal because now they're going up on top and then in the descent and so forth, but Vingegaard reaches Ciccone and so forth. Ciccone not riding at all. The gap starting to become under a minute. I was kind of surprised that Ciccone was not riding at all, even though Skelmos is behind, even though Hindley is ahead. I see no point in Ciccone not riding there because you might as well try to still win the stage. Why chase Hindley? Why chase Hindley on your own? And then when someone helps you chase Hindley, stop chasing Hindley. Yeah. I, in the last two Ks, don't, don't pull. If Hindley's already gone. But yeah, I thought he... I, I also think Benji, he couldn't. Vingegaard was yeah. pulling like a truck. We saw when Ciccone in goal, when they caught him, he, they tried to get back in the pace line. And, and I think Ciccone did try to give him a pull and then he shook yeah. his head like, fuck, man, I, I, can't pull, <laughs> I can't pull as quick as this. You're pulling like a truck. So... And he's, that's the situation. Hinley yeah. goes clear. Brilliant performance. We should talk about him first, I think. Hinley, masterclass from Bora, dropped everybody and played them before Marie Blanc and then was too classy on Marie Blanc. His descending was also the best in the breakaway this whole stage. And also, it's not easy on that 8K false flat uphill drag to just hold a gap. And he actually was holding that gap stable to Vingegaard in the last three kilometers. He wins the stage. His first Tour de France win, Bora... We'll be very happy to get on the board and also takes the yellow jersey and with a big gap over a lot of other GC contenders. So it could, this is the dream scenario for Bora today. I don't think it's a coincidence that the moment we had the Torino coup in the Giro 2022? Um, Last year, yeah. Yeah, 2022. That's the right year. The coup where they had riders in the breakaways, we have and so forth, then they attacked on uh, a hill somewhere in the middle of the stage and got something out of there for, for Hindley as well. That was one stage, and then today, once again, a coup from start to finish, Gasparato's in the car, I feel like there's coincidence there, as in, there's no coincidence there, as in, I feel Gasparato is actively working on making Takis at Bora better. And, and you need some cojones, yeah. because, you know, there's a risk that Hindley gets caught before Marie Blanc, he's been doing a lot of work all day. And he gets dropped by the other GC contenders. I don't think it's that likely, but you know, there's there's risks to what Hinley did too, and they get rewarded because if if you stay in the GC group, you don't win the stage. Um, you have no chance to win the stage, and you actually take more time this way. So really, a masterclass from Bora and Hinley's in in top top shape, winning the stage. Goal, Ciccone and Bookman obviously sit on Vingegaard in the last two kilometers. He extends the gap actually on the on the flat section to Pogacar. And this is what's important. We were discussing this on the watch along, Benji. Yep. Fresh, both on a road bike, on a false flat section. Pogacar has an advantage on Vingegaard yep. because he's heavier and he does more absolute watts. But when you've just been dropped and when you're cooked and the other guy's feeling it, you know, you will lose more time. And we saw yep. in Basque Country that Vingegaard's not, you know, he's not a coos. Like he goes quick yep. too on these sections. So Vingegaard extends the gap. That group, Ciccone goal take uh, the bonus second, second and third for the stage. Bookman for the Vingegaard, actually, they put him on two seconds. He was, there was a gap of over a second from Bookman to Vingegaard. He finishes on 34 seconds to Hinley, one minute and four seconds ahead yep. of a GC group behind of Schelmoza, Martinez, Pagacha, Godou, Rodriguez, Haig, Kuh, Simon Yates, Madwaz, Adam Yates. I thought Adam Yates should have pulled in the group earlier to get back to Pagacha. I don't... I'm, 
it might have made one second difference. Yeah, but I feel like a lot of people in that group should have paced more than they did. Madawas should have waited for Gudu at the top. Yeah, exactly. He waited way too late. Simon Yates should have been pacing. Well, when it comes to other riders in the group, uh, I don't remember who was in there right away. Skelmos, we caught up. He, yeah. he should be pacing. He was pacing. He was a really active rider there. His ascending is actually outrageous. Like Skelmos is mad, yeah. He's a fucking good descender. That is insane. Like, this guy's ascending the way he did it at Tour de Suisse this time again because he was dropped by those guys on top, got back to the group. That is massive, but would you say that with Adam Yates at this point being in that group with Pogacar, you see that Adam Yates is pacing Pogacar to the line in the last kilometer, for example, yeah. but does this change UAE's view on the race towards, yeah, we're now trying to secure position second and and third in this Tour de France after seeing this? Or do you think they'll still try to hammer the entire Tour de France to get Pogacar on top? That's a really interesting question because, you know, let's be honest, UAE got humbled today. Yeah. UAE have been, you know, they had a good start to the Tour de France. They won the opening stage with Adam Yates going into yellow. Couldn't have been a better start. And, you know, everything going well. And then they took it upon themselves to make the race today and didn't really look to Yumbo to, yeah. to control. And, and they were, they were going to go for this stage to win with Pogacar and Vingegaard has just ruined Pogacar. And yeah. so, you know, people did laugh at when I said Adam Yates, Adam Yates, Adam Yates. I said that mainly because I didn't believe in a 1v1 battle without them crashing that Pogacar could win this tour. Yeah. And so they needed to do something else. And Adam Yates... I didn't believe in the other thing. But Adam Yates, frankly, isn't at the level either because he got dropped by yeah. Coos pacing, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and what, Adam Yates is going to get in the break today and Yumbo are going to let that happen and play out. Like, so, you know, would it have made a difference? No. Uh, but that, that was why I was sort of on that train of thought. And, and you're right, what do they do now? Because you, you can't chase for the break on, chase for the stage on Puy de Dome. Did we go through the GC already? Uh, we, we haven't. I'll do that. Chai Hindley, first, yellow jersey now because of the actions of today. 47 seconds on Jonas Vingegaard. We've got a minute or three on Ciccone. That's an interesting one because now Skelmos and Ciccone are both in the top 10 for Trek. Curious if they will still play Ciccone breakaway or, or will they actually go for GC as well, top 10? I'm not 100% convinced of today when it comes to Ciccone and GC, but Buchmann in fourth also moved forward. Terrifying. <laughs> a minute 11 behind. I feel like he didn't get the opportunity to work for Hindley and prove that he's that teammate either today. He was there to do it. But other teams did it for him all the time. Oh, I think Bookman did a good job today. Yeah. I think if he's not there, I think if he's not there, a proper ruler split goes at some point and Hinley's gone. He was clearly there to help out Hinley in the first yeah. place. No, so that's a, a very solid thing. So he deserves that credit. Adam Yates in fifth on 134. Pogacar in sixth on 140. So a six second difference between the two teammates. Skelmoser and Simon Yates are behind it. Simon Yates on the same time as Tadej Pogacar on 7th. Skelmos on 156 on 8th. Carlos Rodriguez on 9th, same time. And then we've got Godu as well on same time, 156 on 10th. But you see what I mean for Carlos? Like if this finished at the top, he's 5th he's on 130 or something. About Carlos, he crashed next to his team bus after the race. What? Doesn't look too injured, but he was knocked off his bike by, I think, a spectator of something. That's so, so shit. Let's hope it has no influence because that's just fucking stupid. That's annoying. And he's I hope, crashed so much this year. Yeah. But hopefully that means nothing for the coming stages. Riders like Woods on 11th and so forth, those are riders that I expect to fall even more once the stages become harder, even though we haven't had it was a, pretty okay today. I mean, Sude is over a 30-minute climb, but we haven't really had... Um, 
we, this wasn't even a long climb and yep. already this huge GC gap. So Jumbo Visma, Benji, you know, in hindsight, you could say Jumbo Visma should have never tried to get in the breakaway. Yeah. And they should have paced full gas and made a manageable break with Van Aert and Benoit and launched Vingegaard and Marie Blanc to win the stage. And now they wouldn't have to deal with Hindley being ahead. On the opposite effect, you can also say that them not pacing in the peloton and being ahead made the breakaway a bit more harder to catch and therefore UE spent more riders before they got to Marie Blanc in the first place. That's also a possibility, but regardless of that, Pogaccio would have dropped the way he dropped. Not Maybe not the same time, but he would have dropped regardless. Yeah. I don't know. It's that sort of, you know, that's only if you really, really think Jonas will drop Pogaccio. And even if you do, yeah. I think you want to have satellite riders. Yeah. Okay, what I did think Jonas could drop Pogaccio today. I did not expect the gap to be so big. Yeah. I thought, okay, 10 seconds, but ten, what's 10 seconds going to get you? It's a fucking minute, mate. Yeah, I know, but I thought yeah. if it's 10 seconds and Vingegaard doesn't have a satellite rider, yeah. then it could just be close. And so really that was why the satellite riders I thought were important in the breakaway yeah. ahead and making you where you make the race. So, you know, at least, yeah, it's nearly a minute. So over a minute uh, from Vingegaard to Pogaccio. So what do you think? I think now the next step for... But Vingegaard is Hindley. I think, I think yep. you have to take time on someone that's ahead of you. That's just rule number one of GC. You have to respect him. You have to respect his, his quality. And so I think, um, I think now you have to treat Hindley very, very seriously. You can't just be like, ah, oh, we'll, take, we'll take it back. You cannot have that attitude. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure tomorrow is the, the moment to do that either. I also think that they should still keep an eye on Pogacar as well. Of course. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. must also defend against Pogacar. Because Pogacar is still one of the competitors for this Twitter France, regardless of him being a minute behind now, just under a minute behind now. So Hindley's the next step for, for Vingard while keeping track of Pogacar along the way and maybe some other dangerous riders behind, but those are the two main focuses right now. But will they be doing that on tomorrow's stage yet? I'm Let's not sure that's it. the ideal scenario because I'll let you talk to the parkour first. From Taub to Cotteret-Cambasque. Now, Vuelta stage finished here, uh, even though it's in France, and the Vuelta actually returns to France this year. So, so Rasmussen, Zula, and Indorain, and maybe Reese did some big numbies here. And uh, I don't know if that was in the tour, but Rasmussen, I think, in the Vuelta finished on Cotteret. So I think this is a harder stage than people think. I can't believe that when it comes to this stage, you're focusing on Cotteret. Tourmalet is my history when it comes to cycling. I don't know what's ever happened on Tourmalet. 2010, Contador versus Schleck on the Tourmalet was... Amazing. Maybe, like, maybe we do need a sh maybe for this tour we do need that Shram drop chain <laughs> for for Jonas. It probably just make chaos. him make him angry. And just like, <laughs> Netflix would be happy. Yeah, Netflix will be. Yeah, Netflix. I think will be pretty happy with how this week's gone so far. But yeah, the uh, first fifty six kilometers are largely flat. There is a category three climb. Uh, five point seven k's, four point seven percent in the middle of that starts with about twenty five k's to go. I, I think the break will probably form there. Now the problem for that is. That's only about 25Ks before the Col d'Aspin starts, which is 12K, 6.6%. Then not that steep a descent. And then they start the Tourmalet, as Benji said, 17K, 7.4%. It's the Souvenir Jacques Godet, 5K euro to the first person over the top, 21,000 meters, which is quite high for this tour. Yeah. Then a, a descent uh, to the base of Colteret, which is a stepped climb. It's actually a fake news climb a little bit because it's 16K, 5%. The first oh, 3Ks are 5% or so, then there's this 8% K, and then it falls flat uphill, and then there's 4%, and then there's a 3K 10% section through the hairpins nearer to the finish. 
uh, before another four and uh, you know before five percent for a couple of cases to finish. So listen, this is not the cold of Grenoll stage. The Tourmalet is not as hard as the, yeah. th- this is not as hard as the Telegraph Galibier combo. Mm-hmm. That's harder and and higher. The descent and the the time from the top of Tourmalet to the start of Colteret is quicker than the top of Galibier to the start of Grenoble, mm-hmm. but this climb is in no way comparable to Grenoble, this finish. Yeah. And so that's the problem for this stage. I think so as well. And also, uh, I recall hearing that there's headwind from the top of Tourmalet towards Cotteret as well. well then, I don't know yeah. how heavy that's going to be and so forth, but if that's the case, then, then that has an influence. And when it comes to the stage, I said it from the start when I saw it, this is breakaway. But after that, I'm also feeling like if you're Yumbo and you're, you're seeing Pogacar's weakness, you want to use week one. So... At least put it on. They need to use full big time to try and gain even more time on Pogacar. And if there's any stages like that anymore, then they need to do that. But if this is the one, I don't necessarily think this might be the one to absolutely explode it, even though I'd love it as a viewer. I'd love for someone to explode Tourmalet to try and get something like that out of it. The difference is, though, that Yui is not the one that needs to control the break now. Yumbos needs to control the break. And Bora do. They will take it apart. You think Bora will let... Pogacar and UAE start... Uh, well, they, they will both have to control the break. I know, eh? but, but um, uh, Yumbo will get out. First of all, Jai Hingley podium this tour is now more likely than yeah. not. Um, Can he even get second? Exactly. He's in yellow. They have a good-as-fuck team with Jungles, Buchmann, yeah. Conrad. Their team is very good. I, I think Bora will also be like, you know, we can all, we're not going to allow situations to happen yeah. that we don't want. So... When it comes to their team, we have focused mainly on UAE and Yumbo, but let's go through this team for a second. Obviously, Hinley and Buchmann and Conrad, we've seen them today. Jungles is in there, fucking strong rider. Yeah. Meus, Paulit, Van Poppel. Paulit is good for breakaway formation phase. Yes. Van Poppel and Meus, they've got flat they, skill. They can also help they in break formation with that. tomorrow. It's I flat. agree. Marco Haller can work with that yeah, as well. Sure. So they've got a team to also help with the breakaway formation phase, and they might switch a bit in that sense, but... I will re-say again what I said during the podcast, and I'm not sure you 100% agree with it, but I still believe that UAE fuck up next to the fact that Pogacar wasn't good enough was also to let that breakaway go. Because you're saying, yeah, if the break has that many seconds, yes, but a 36-man breakaway, Jumbo Visma wouldn't have let a 36-man breakaway with, with Hindley go away at any point during the tour last year, for example. Oh, yeah, so what you're saying is, if you want to win the stage with Pogacar, and take the bonies. Yeah. You make sure a group of five guys you can control easily goes. Or even even if it's a breakaway, even if it's a breakaway that wins the stage. If it doesn't have Hindley, yeah, that's they, a big win. Uh, I am convinced they still wanted the bonies. Uh, I, if that's the case, sure. But even regardless of that, if you want to give the yellow jersey away, which I think would have been a good strategy as well today, but not to Hindley, <laughs> yeah. that, then that's the case. So I, I still believe they fucked up there. We've said it for... Was it two years or a year that we've been talking about their breakaway formation phase being an issue for UAE? And yeah. it shows up once again today that this is a major issue now. It doesn't matter in the end. To, but back to tomorrow. We were talking about this tomorrow's stage. It doesn't matter because Pogac was, was worse than Vingegaard anyway. Yeah, but I think the stage being overall more difficult yeah. uh, is, is always going to make the gaps bigger. Yeah. Uh, not that it was like the most brutal stage ever for the GC yeah. guys in the wheels either. But tomorrow... You know, as, as we said, the finishing climb isn't so hard. Benji said headwind from Tourmalet to, to the base of Cotteret. <laughs> Benji thinks headwind. <laughs> yeah, ben, Benji, Benji, weatherman Benji's guaranteed, oh guaranteed headwind. <laughs> so there'll be a 70 kph tailwind. <laughs> Actually, like, it's going to have thunder, lightning, major oh, hell. I hope not. Okay. Unlike in Andorra. 
I mean, if it's anything, it's not far from here. It's like only three hours away. Anyway, um, but more inland. I, I actually don't know what's going to happen tomorrow because... Break wins. Yeah, but it's such a short stage, 145Ks. And if the break only forms on that first cat yeah. three and then another team is starting to pull... And Will don't, teams be tired from today? No. No? No. There was guys in the breakaway doing a lot of work. The guys in the break will be tired, like yeah. a Haig, like a Jorgensen maybe, yeah. like a Martinez, like a Frailer. But Jumbo, why would most of Jumbo's team, yeah. like Van Baal or Van Hooydonk, be that tired? Exactly. Um, Keldergoat. Keldergoat Kelder split the group. I will not hear that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think... But then can you drop, if you're Yumbo, can you drop Hinley on the Tourmalay? And if Vingegaard drops him on the Tourmalay, then you've got a long way to the finish. If Vingegaard drops Hinley, Benji, does Hinley pull full gas with Godou in his wheel, with Rodriguez in his wheel, with Schelmos or Pogaccia in his wheel? Or does he already start thinking second? He's in the yellow. I think he pulls and I think Poggy pulls with him. Fuck it. I'll, ch- I'll change my, my expectations for tomorrow completely. I think if I'm Yumbo, I do everything in my power to explode Tourmalet. I try and get an early guy in the breakaway, whether it's Wout Fanad, whether it's Benoit. Laporte maybe is not good enough for this. I will think so. Laporte, though, remember, he was the guy over the top of yeah, Telegraph. But Telegraph is not a spam plus Tourmalet because you need no. someone behind Tourmalet. You don't need someone on a spam. No, no, but I, I, don't, I don't know how you get a guy over the top. Because... It's, it's going to be impossible. I don't think it, it, to get a guy over the top is going to be extremely. Yeah. The break will have to go in the first 10Ks to get a guy over the top. I agree. Like, but... yeah, because you're not going to drop Hindley and Pagacha or, or God, uh, anyone because if you're like, oh, the break's only two minutes yeah, ahead, but... we better do the Tourmalet slow. Well, then you're not going to drop anybody. But if, if you then explode on the Tourmalet yourself as Yumbo, then you've got 50 kilometers to the finish line from the top of Tourmalet. It also won't be easy, but it's also not impossible. Cotteray will be hard. That is a hard, will be hard. That eh? is a hard climb. Solo. Depends on what happens behind. 16Ks with undulating uphill. Is there no way anyone gets ahead that makes it over to Tourmalet? I think it's possible, but it would have to be like Kelderman or someone. Like Van Aert's climbing, frankly, to me, is not looking as good so, as last year. So, If we compare today's breakaway formation to this breakaway formation, if it's like today then the breakaway might not be formed by our spam. But then again, you've got Cavern-les-Bains, which I feel like that might be the moment where the break forms or just after that climb. And yeah. then you've still got, if, if they can close it down within the next 30 kilometers, the gap can be three minutes, four minutes before Col d'Aspin. You never make it. You're like three minutes before Aspin because then yeah. everyone will pace full. Do you think UAE will try to strike back tomorrow? Yeah, but wh- what you're saying is, Three, four minutes on before, before our spam. Let's say you've got that. Sure. In the peloton, what will they do then? Because let's say... They will do Aspen at the same speed as the breakaway. Because it will be a rouleur pacing, like a Van Baal okay. or, or, a, or a Soler or something. So three, four minutes, Aspen at the same tempo as the breakaway. And then you lose time on the descent. Lose time on the descent. Four minutes, four minutes and a half before we start Tourmalet. You'd need to actually like have action. In the, we're like we're the break doing... guide have to be pretty good, man. <laughs> yes, but it's a fifty-minute climb. I agree with you. It's possible. It's possible, but it would have to. A lot of things would have to work out. The break guy has to be really good. Chikone wins. You like? Yeah, I've got. 
He's too close on GC. He's not allowed to break. Yeah, you're right. Fuck. But he was close he's on GC. No, but, no but, he was, but he was on 43 seconds today and he was allowed yeah, to break. Yeah, but that's different because UAE was controlling the breakaway. Yeah, but will Yumbo care if Julio Ciccone goes in the breakaway? Hindley will. Actually, maybe he may do. Let's not do Hindley again. Um, um, who is the kind of rider? Because Bernal's on four minutes. That would be fucking great if Bernal goes in the breakaway, but yeah, I don't see that. him as the kind of rider to pull it off. Bilbao was on three minutes 30. I think, I think someone like Haig's level will win from the break. Martinez, 16 minutes. Yeah, Martinez is a good one. If he, did he lose a lot of time? Okay, I'm going with Martinez. Well, he moved up in GC. Actually, 16 minutes. I think the GC group wins. Um, and I think it's, uh, I think probably Vingegaard wins because he outsprints people. Like, yep. not Poggy, but I think Poggy will struggle yep. again. Um, so I'm going with Vingegaard to win. I find it the most likely scenario, but I want the breakaway to win. Yep. You so I'm going to say... Juanpe. <laughs> not Juanpe, get out of here. When it comes to Pitcock, it's an interesting one because he's on 12th in GC, if I recall correctly, too, or something. He's but too he's, close. he's too close. But, but again, well, at 2 minutes 30. Is he on 2.30? Pitcock goes in the break and wins the stage. His shape is really good. But Ineos doesn't do that shit. No, he will. He, Ineos he, will put Martinez in the break and not Pitcock. Yeah, oh, Bernal. Uh, Ineos will try to be in the break. It, it might be. It might be someone like Pitcock. Madouaz is also a nice rider for this sort of finish, given the undulations. Felix Gull will try again. It's I'm changing. Bauer Pitcock. I'm cha if the break wins, I go with Felix Gull. I think he can't feel the chain right now. Um, and so, yeah, I go with Gull. The problem for Gull is that he can't go solo on Tourmalet because he can't descend. So yep. that's the problem for him. Alrighty. Let us know your questions down below. Do we have anything else? I mean, is the Tour de France over? Not yet. But if this is happening on this stage, it doesn't bode well for the later stages, I, but I also think let's not just assume that Jai Hindley is weak. Is going to, you know, ship, is Juanpe in the Giro. Sorry, I keep bashing Juanpe. I don't mean to, but, you know. <laughs> he was uh, a hero to us. Yeah, when El Patron led the Giro or Odd Christian Eiking led the Vuelta, this is not that caliber of rider. No. This is a serious guy. Let's not just, and Bora are going to fight tooth and nail yep. to keep that GC position. So. You could have the situation where Bookman is pulling very hard with Pagatra and Hinley to chase a solo escapee ahead. So, To finalize this podcast, we've had a major shift in how the Tour de France looks right now. What is your podium at the end of this Tour de France based on today's stage? Uh, Vingegaard, Hinley, Pog. Pog was still better than everybody else. Yeah. But in the... But I, I, for Pog to beat Hinley to come second... He almost needs to forget about Jonas now. And I don't think he's going to be ready to do that. If we take a look at time trial skills, for example, 13th in the time trial of Dauphiné, he's gotten better Hindley. Yeah, he's not a scrub in but the I TT. But I think Pogacar gets second because of the time trial. Yeah, but Pogacar could flick himself in yeah. other stages. Obviously, he could like go all out yeah. in one stage. Do He could do what I proposed on the preview, be behind by stage 20, do a 90-kilometer solo, because that's my scenario. It's still, be, it's still in the cards. <laughs> this, is why, this is why I didn't pick him for the podium. I thought he would struggle early on yeah. or on the longer climbs. I don't think he's going to accept, okay, I'll ride to maximize my to come second, yeah. and he'll get played by guys who are on a good level, like Jai Hindley or someone like that. Um, Adam Yates, my, that pick though, that one's not looking so crash hot for me. <laughs> it's a long, oh, to be honest, he's Mate. Still, Adam Yates is still in provisional third because Chicone and Bookman might drop before. Ah, so Adam Yates is looking all right. 
Um, nah, it's not looking all right. It's not looking good. Not looking good, bruv. All right, it's been a long podcast. We're obviously an outstanding stage. We, yep. uh, we won't have a watch along tomorrow because it's just a little bit too tiring, but we will be back for Puerto Dome on uh, the weekend, stage nine. So really hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, thanks for all your support. And we'll be back with another brutal, brutal mountain stage tomorrow. Until then, ciao. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.